Thank you for listening in to this podcast from Valley View Church. Remain standing for just a moment. I believe I have a, uh, a specific assignment today. Anybody that's preached before, uh, sometimes you almost feel like the Lord gives you a little liberty on what you want to share, what's in your heart. But today I just feel like I have a mandate from God to share something with you very specific. And if you'll open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 30, we'll get there. Anybody excited to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Yeah, Psalm chapter 30. My dad used to say it's right after Psalm 29 if you're having trouble finding it. Psalm chapter 30. As you flip there, I've had conversations over the past, honestly, probably two months with many different people along this same topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, One was a friend, one was actually Greg, and he kind of shared his heart with you when we opened service this morning. One was uh, several people within the youth group. I've had family members I've had conversations with. People are overwhelmed with sadness. There are people in this life, it blew my mind to see this because I've, I've actually never experienced this, where you dread waking up in the morning because there's something in the day that you just aren't looking forward to. Can I just remind you that Jesus died? so that we could experience life and life abundantly. Everybody say life. When he went to the cross, he did away with that thing. He did away. We we no longer have to wake up with dread. But despite the circumstance that we're facing, we can wake up filled with hope because Jesus is alive. And I just believe that God is here today to give people their song back. I believe there's people that are just feeling this thing, even as as I'm talking, just well up on the inside of them right now. People in this building, in this church, that are saying, that's what I want, Colin. That's what I want, Lord. I want my song back. It's been a long time since I've been able to smile. It's been a long time since I've been able to really sing. Well, I just want to encourage you right out of the gate this morning that God is here to return that song to you. He's already given us every reason to sing. Somebody help me right there. And tonight, uh, this morning, some things are going to turn. Are you with me? And I believe that this passage... It's going to be your testimony. I believe this passage is going to be your triumphant cry. It says, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Anybody else thankful for that? Somebody help me in here this morning. Anybody else thankful for that? To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God. I will give thanks to you forever. Go back to 11. Let's read it one more time because I'm not sure that we got it. Father, right now you have turned. This is David's cry in Psalm chapter 30. God, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Verse 12. To 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 the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you. Help me out with this last word. Forever. Today I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, The Dance. Everybody say, The Dance. Father, I thank you right now for wisdom from heaven. God, we need your help this morning. And I pray that you would just come and minister to your people. In Jesus' name. Somebody shouted, Amen. Amen. Man, it's been so heavy on me for weeks. Just the conversations I've been able to have with people literally who are so filled with dread. Does anybody in here, just be honest with me, 
Has anybody ever walked through a season like that where you cannot get excited about being alive? Raise your hand if that's you, if you've ever walked through a season. So it's probably 75% of the room. Let's get a little bit more vulnerable. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm a youth pastor, and uh, we have discussions in class, and I don't really just sit there and teach. So I'm going to interact with you a little bit today. But is anyone still in that season? If you'd be vulnerable, just throw your hand up and say, I'm still in that season where I'm struggling with dread, struggling with looking forward. There's one. So maybe not too many. There's two. All right. This is a real thing we're seeing here. This is a real thing that people face. And I'm looking across at some of these students that I've had conversations with. This is a real thing your kids are dealing with. Yeah? This is a real real thing that, that young people are just caught up in. We can't get excited about life when Jesus paid way too high a price for us to sit here and live in dread, for us to wake up in the morning and not be so filled with excitement and hope, if for no other reason, merely because he's alive. Come on, merely because he's alive. If we look at this verse in Psalm chapter 30, David wrote it, and we're just going to walk through this passage, and I think the Lord's going to help a lot of people. Verse 11, he says, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. Can we read it together? You have turned for me my morning into dancing. Let's stop right there. Here's the first thing I see in this passage. Mourning, the fact that you mourn, the fact that you struggle, the fact that you've dealt with sadness does not mean that you're outside the will of God. It doesn't mean that it's ungodly. It doesn't even mean that you're in sin. Mourning is actually a, a, I don't want to say a normal part, but it's something that we all deal with. Everybody say mourning. It's something that we all struggle with. David here, one of the most powerful men to ever walk this earth, was actually mourning, right? If it, if it didn't turn into dancing, or I guess what I'm trying to say is he couldn't have been dancing from mourning if at one time he was not mourning. Are you all following me? Mourning is a normal part of this life. Here's what I want to encourage you with. There is no shame in it. There are people in here who have dealt with this thing of sadness, and they're just beating themselves over the head because they're dealing with sadness. And it's actually a double whammy. You're dealing with sadness, but all of a sudden now you're dealing with shame because you dealt with sadness, and it's just this cycle of misery that goes on forever. Let's set you free. Out of the gate this morning, there is no shame in mourning. You need some scripture on it? Go to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who mourn, verse 4, for they shall be comforted. God is actually saying, this is Jesus standing up on a mountaintop, preaching to his disciples and the multitudes upon, uh, there was some mountain he was on, I forget the name of it, but he says, you are actually blessed when you mourn. Come on, somebody help me. Everybody say blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. So let's just settle this thing right now. If you are in mourning, and my heart is just, is just feeling super compassionate and merciful right now. But if you are dealing with this thing, if you've dealt with loss, if you've lost a loved one, anybody ever experienced that? If you've dealt with grief, I just want to remind you this morning that if the devil is speaking shame over your life, then it needs to go. Because Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This grief thing is real. I've walked it. I'm not sitting here preaching an empty gospel. I'm not preaching something that I haven't walked. I lost my dad about four years ago this, uh, yeah, this month. And this grief thing is real. It would be foolish to sit here and say that it's not. You following me? I want to remind you that God is near to those who are brokenhearted. Can you take comfort in this this morning? God is near to those who are brokenhearted. But here's the difference. We don't have permission to stay there. Come on. We don't have permission to stay there. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, right? But joy comes in the morning. 
All right, so we have this understanding that mourning is not ungodly. We have no reason to be ashamed about it. But at the same time, on the same hand, we don't have permission to stay in this state. Because of what Jesus has accomplished, we actually have every reason to rise up out of this mournful state and move forward. Hear me, it's not moving on. Those of you who, who have dealt with grief, you don't have to move on from the memories of the loved one. You don't have to move on even from the, from the love that you shared with that loved one. But we do have to move forward. You don't have to move on and disassociate yourself from everything that, that y'all did together. In the mem- but we've got to move forward. Because of what Jesus, I can't say it enough, because of what Jesus has done, we have every reason to get off of this thing and go forward. Because can I remind you that there is more purpose on your life now than there has ever been before. The mere fact that you're breathing, the mere fact that mercy knocked on your shoulder this morning and woke you up means that you have purpose on your life. So it's time that we walk in it again. I say it with passion, but I also say it with unction. It is time that we begin to walk in purpose again. So we have this type of mourning that that we deal with with loss and grief, but I also believe there's another type of mourning that, that comes just from maybe we haven't lost anybody, but maybe we've dealt with a situation this just caused overwhelming sadness and maybe even left in, you know, leaked into depression, right? Maybe it's that. Can I remind you this morning that weeping endures for a night, but there comes a point where something has to rise up inside of you and you actually get off of that place and you get out of that place and you begin to press forward with passion and press forward with focus into the purpose that God has placed on your life. I don't want to be insensitive, but I'll be insensitive if it means preaching his word. It's time to move forward, forward in joy, forward in peace, forward in purpose, because weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So if we go back to uh, Psalm chapter 35, or 35, 11, go back to that first one we read, Kim, if you would, 30 verse 11, I'm sorry. So we have this understanding that mourning is a real thing. And we had you raise your hand that this is something that we deal with. Here is God's heart revealed to you today. His heart is that he could take that state of mourning and actually take you into a place of dancing. You say, what is dancing? I believe that dancing is incredible joy. I believe it's stupid joy. I believe it's joy that doesn't even make sense. I believe it's joy that literally laughs and smiles in the face of adversity. I believe it's joy that remains constant and thrives even in the midst of inconvenience. You'll be surprised how many in this day and age, just a little inconvenience will throw their joy off kilter. But this type of joy that Jesus died to give us actually exists even when inconvenience is happening. You with me? It exists even when circumstance rises up against us because it, it never wavers because he never does. You with me? The joy stays the same because I'm here and I'm with him. I just believe this is freedom for somebody this morning. There is joy that remains. All of this can be going on all the way around me. Chaos, turmoil, just life being hectic. But joy can remain because he's with me. And he wants to take the season that you're in right now. Greg, I used you as an example because you shared your heart this morning. He wants to take the season that you've been in and actually turn it in to dancing, a place of marvelous joy. Does this sound exciting to anybody else? That we would learn to walk in joy 
that we would learn to walk in joy again to the point where we wake up in the morning and when all hell seems to be breaking loose in our life, we pick our head up off the pillow and we smile because he gave me another day. Come on. I heard a pastor say this, so I'm going to say it. I don't, I don't feel like it's immoral. He said, to hell with dread. Literally. You with me? It's time to pack up and go so we can learn to embrace purpose. It's time that when I wake up in the morning, I wouldn't get so consumed. Okay, I got to wake up, got to eat breakfast, got to go to my nine to five, got to come back, be with family, eat supper, go to bed and do it all again. Jesus died for way more than that. He died that we would maximize every single moment of this life. Every breath, it's like, oh God, I'm so thankful. Oh, life, wow. Wow, what a blessing, Lord. Can I remind you that this life is short? If I had a Lysol can, I'd spray it in the air because the Bible says that your life is like a vapor. Here for a moment, gone the next. How foolish it would be of us to sit here and wake up in the morning and have dr- let dread fill our hearts because he gave us another day. With Christmas season upcoming, this is the perfect time to have this whole mind shifts, mindset shift happening. Then when we wake up, and the whole world, most of the world focuses on family in this season of December. We can actually wake up and be excited about being with family. Instead of being so focused on work and money, we can actually focus on family. Instead of uh, being so focused on overtime, when we really don't even need the extra money, we can actually focus on family for a change. Too far? I'm telling you, when Jesus went to the cross, it was a lot bigger than we think it is. And there is so much purpose on I've begun doing something when I wake up in the morning. When I wake up and I, I turn to the side and I put my feet on the floor. I was sharing this with the youth group a couple weeks back. I put my feet on the floor with purpose. I'm just like, Lord, you didn't have to wake me up this morning, but you did. So I'm going to use it for your glory. The whole dread thing can't exist when you think that way. It just can't. You know. You say, well, Colin, there's things in this life that I just really don't look forward to and don't enjoy. Well, you need to find something that you do look forward to and you do enjoy. I'm not saying walk away from a job, but I'm saying, look, if it's something in the evening, like being with your family that you can look forward to that gives you strength to go on throughout the day, you must have something that you look forward to because this dread thing cannot reign as king in our lives. Are you with me so far? Have I gone too far? Every morning you wake up. There's a lot in this verse, as you can tell. We're only half the, halfway through the first verse. But each day you wake up. I'll share the testimony. I heard a, a preacher tell a story one time about how they had lost their spouse. And when, when they lost their spouse, of course, that's this incredible grieving process. And I can't imagine. It's just a tough thing to walk. But each day they woke up. This was their mindset. They said, Lord, I'm dealing with incredible pain right now. I'm dealing with incredible struggle. We know mourning's not sinful, so it's okay to tell the Lord that. He said, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. He said, but today I have an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. I have an opportunity to present to you an offering that I won't be able to present to you once I get to heaven. There will be no sorrow there, right? No more burdens to care, no more sickness, no more pain. You know the old song, no more parting over there when forever I'll be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that would be. This person, this pastor understood this, and he stood before the Lord in the morning. He said, this incredible pain. I won't be able able to present this as an offering to you once I get to heaven because there will be no sorrow there. But this sorrow right now, because I want to bless you, because I want to honor you, I present it as an offering. And I say, Lord, be glorified in the midst of it. 
So we have an opportunity, those of you carrying this thing, those of you dealing with this funky season where you can't seem to shake it, those of you frustrated, consumed in in grief and hurt, have an opportunity every morning to turn this thing over and say, Father, this thing is heavy on me and I don't want to carry it by myself. So here's an offering. What great faith is that? Come on, man. Outrageous faith that you would actually turn pain over and say, God, I'll walk it if it means you being glorified. Have I left anybody this morning? Come on. Second part of this verse says, you have put off my sackcloth. Everybody say sackcloth. You have put off my sackcloth. This is David talking. And you've clothed me with gladness. Everybody say gladness. Sackcloth is a token, a, a symbol that people wore in the Old Testament to actually symbolize mourning, symbolizing hurt, symbolizing sadness and grief. And so David is talking here, and he had sackcloth that he was wearing. Uh, we see it in, in several people, actually, in the Old Testament. We see it in Mordecai in the book of Esther. We see it in Jonah. We see it in King Ahab in Chronicles. We also see it in Daniel. But here we see it in David. And if you go to 2 Samuel, Kim, this is what it says about David's experience with sackcloth. It says, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and he spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. Sackcloth is a, a symbol of mourning. In this story in Second Samuel, David had, you all know the story, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Everybody know the story? Committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had Bathsheba's husband killed. So he's really a, a murderer and an adulterer right there in the same spot. Yikes. You know what I'm saying? But he was mourning from a state of repentance, from a state of, God, I shouldn't have done that. Right? He heard the call of God to come back home. And he said, Father, this is where I want to be. And he's actually mourning on the ground wearing sackcloth. All right? Here's God's heart. Go back to Psalm 30. He wants to actually lift the sackcloth off of us. Because there's many people in this room that are not literally wearing a sackcloth, but are carrying a sackcloth everywhere that you go. You wake up in the morning with a sackcloth. You go to lunch with a sackcloth. You come home with a sackcloth. And you go to bed with a sackcloth. And God's heart is to actually not to just throw a, a pretty coat over it, but to take it off of you, somebody help me right here, to take it off of you and then actually replace it. Do we see the power of this gospel, right? It's like salvation. When when we get born again, he doesn't just slap a Band-Aid on us to make us a better version of ourselves. He's not interested in a renovation. He's interested in completely doing away with what we were and giving us brand new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Help me out. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The word behold means to stand in awe and be amazed. So let's read it that way. Old things have passed away. Stand in awe and be amazed. All things have become new. So hear the heart of God for you this morning. If that's you and you're stuck in this mourning place, this sad place that you can't seem to overcome, the heart of God is not to just teach you how to deal with it or teach you how to cope with it. The heart of God is to take it off of you. Isn't that great glory right there? The fact that it would be one thing to just put something over the top and say, oh, you made some bad decisions that left you here. We'll just make it work. But it's great mercy and great glory that he actually looks at us and says, I just, I'll just take it off of you when you didn't deserve it. Yeah, you deserve to carry that thing, but I'll take it off of you, and I will clothe you with brand new. This is the heart of God for your life, that every single hour of the day, the sackcloth thing may endure for a night, but there is something that has to rise up inside of us when joy comes in the morning. 
Is anybody walking in anticipation of joy that wakes up in the morning looking forward to being full of joy? Y'all good? He wants to put gladness on you. Here's what gladness is. You ready for it? It's a condition of supreme well-being. Anybody ever heard the old song, It Is Well? With my soul, it is well, as well with my soul. Pretty, pretty simple song, but the guy that wrote that, uh, that song, his name was Horatio Spalger, and he actually wrote it after his kid was killed. But he cried out, he said, it is well. How is it well? How is it well? Somebody help me answer that question. It seems impossible. It seems improbable. How can you make a cry like that in the midst of a situation that intense and that extreme? But he cried out, it's well. I'd suggest because... Horatio Spargo wanted to make an exchange. He said, Father, you can have my sackcloth and you can clothe me with gladness. There's no situation too extreme. There's no circumstance too hard. God can still give you joy. You haven't gone too far. Every morning, it can be yours. Everybody say joy. Verse 12 of Psalm chapter 30. This is what David did. It's amazing. He's looking at what all God had done, looking at the redemption that had taken place in his life. You've got to realize how far he had come. He had killed someone and committed adultery with his wife. And I didn't share this part, but once he committed adultery, the punishment for that adultery in the Old Testament, in that specific situation, was that the kid that he and Bathsheba conceived was killed. All right, so David had been redeemed a long way. He had come way off from the will of God and had come back home. And this was his cry. He said, to the end, everybody say end, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Here's what that glory, the word glory means. It means my entire being. It means my mind. It means my soul. It means my strength. It means my hands. It means my feet. It means my eyes. With all that I am, may sing praise to you. And not be silent. Listen to me. When God does something special like that in your life, there's only one response that seems adequate. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you doesn't even seem to scratch the surface. Thanksgiving, do, uh, thank you, Lord, doesn't, doesn't quite seem to do it justice. But there's only one response. And David exhibits it here. He said, to the end of my days, to the end of my days, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing praise to you, and I'm not going to be silent. Oh, Lord, my God. I will give thanks to you forever. I want to speak to the one in here. The two simple verses. Simple yet so profound. And there's a lot of stuff just jam-packed in these two verses. But I want to speak to the one who's been sad. I want to speak to the one who's been down and out. I want to speak to the one who's been depressed. I want to speak to the one who's been dealing with grief you didn't know was possible. I want to speak to the one who's hidden this thing from everybody. Nobody knows it. You go to work with a smile on your face, but there's something in this heart that's just making you miserable, and you can't seem to shake it. I want to speak to you and say that God's calling you forward. He's not just calling you forward from afar like, hey, come over here. He's actually walking to you, and he's willing to pick you up right there. Isn't that good that when we couldn't go to him, he came to us? Isn't it good that when I was in a sinless, helpless state, he actually came and he stuck his hand out? What's our only, what's our only obligation and our only sign of obedience in that moment is to take it and to trust him. God is calling you forward. 
My heart's been so heavy. I've wept in prayer this week because I know that many of you have been through it. You're hurting. You can't shake the sadness. You can't. You don't think you can overcome it. You've tried to come to church and worship and sing louder and uh, sing more boldly, but nothing seems to change. I think our perspective is off. I think it's time we realign our focus, and here's what I mean. It's never been about your ability to sing. It's never been about your ability to rejoice. Too many of us are trying to bust our way out by singing. And I've got to be careful here because this is walking a fine line. But too many of us are just trying to, hoping that coming in here and singing words with our mouth will change the outcome of our circumstance. It's never been about you. Lauren shared a word about two, three weeks ago during worship about Simba and Lion King. Do you guys remember that? Simba was faced, now I'm about to show the clip here in just a minute. Simba was faced with three enemies. And when he went to roar to scare the enemies away, there were hyenas in the movie. The hyenas just laughed at him. How often do we feel like that? When we sing, but it just seems to get worse, and the enemies just laughing in our face. But can I remind you that when your voice is not enough, his is. Will you play it, Kim? That's it, Kim. Come on. <laughs> Anybody ever felt like Simba in that moment? I felt like Lauren's word that week was just dead on. When you're backed up into a corner. Yeah? Backed up into a corner. It doesn't seem like there's a way out. You go to sing and nothing changes. Go ahead and play. You go to rejoice and the situation just seems to get worse and you back up and you back up and all of a sudden there's no further that you can go. And you try and sing again. And you give it your best, but you feel like you're out of strength. Everybody was following me this morning. You feel like you're out of strength. You feel like you can't go on. You wake up in the morning, it's like, oh gosh, another day. Another day I've got to get through. Listen to me. The voice doesn't have to be loud. You don't have to sing at a decibel level so that the enemies can hear you. Your only obligation is to sing. Your only responsibility is to open your mouth. Because when you open your mouth, yeah, it may come out like like Simba's just did with a little crackle like a young toddler. But there is somebody that you didn't see coming that's stepping over the top of you. And when he goes to roar, one roar scampers all the enemies at one time. It's never been your responsibility to run the enemy away. Your responsibility is to sing to bless the Lord, to worship the Lord. And as you worship him, something incredible happens. He roars one final time and they just scurry away. 
to the one that's dealt with oppression and depression and, and sadness and mourning. It's never been about your strength. Let me remind you this morning that his strength is actually made perfect in your weakness. There is something that happens when a man or a woman of God says, Father, I don't have the strength to do it, but I know that you do. So I will bless you. So I will worship you. And as you do, yeah, Lauren, come up here if you would. At the end of this clip, you'll notice there were no enemies there. Who was there? Father and Son. When we learn to worship in the midst of grief, when we learn to worship in the midst of a funk, when we learn to worship in the midst of life that's confusing and frustrating, he comes and he roars over us. Enemies are gone. There's two people that are left, Father and Son. You know what you get to enjoy doing? You get to enjoy communion. You get to enjoy fellowship. You get to enjoy just being together. You turn and you face each other, and the Father's just inviting you into a dance. Right? He turns our morning into dancing, doesn't he? He's actually inviting you into a dance where you and him just get to be together with one another. Hey, eyes are on him. Hey, a lot of, stay right here, the tendency a lot of time is when we dance with the Lord, we get intimate with the Lord, we spend time with the Lord, but once the enemies come barking, we turn and we say, Lord, hold on just a minute, I've got to go fight these off. You're with me? With our whole eyes and with our whole attention, we turn it to, to our enemy when we're called to keep our eyes on him. And when I keep my eyes on him, oh, I bless you, Lord. Oh, I bless you, Lord. Here's what he does. He actually looks over our shoulder when the enemies peek their head around the corner and he says, don't you dare. And we never had to lift a finger. We just had to bless him. We just had to bless him. Come on, somebody help me in here. We just had to bless him. I believe that God is totally shifting our theology right now in this moment. It's... You, you are no match for this enemy that we're up against. He's bigger than you are. He'll take you down every time. But when we turn to him, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. And in the morning state, we actually have the invitation to take part in a dance with the Father. And we sit here and say, Father, I bless you. When I wake up in the morning, I just take his hand, Father, I bless you. Oh, I bless you, Lord. Oh, I bless you. Thank you for life, God. This circumstance is tough today, but you have made me alive. And there is strength in your face. There is strength in your hand. And I'm going to take it. And I'm going to run well. I'm going to run with perseverance this race that's been marked out for me. And I'm going to keep my eyes on you all hours of the day. You're going to defeat my enemies on my behalf. You can't beat this thing. You can't beat this thing. But he can. And when I just learn, listen to me, when I just learn to keep my eyes on him, when I just learn to keep my eyes on him, when I just learn to keep my eyes on him, oh yeah, the, the hyena seems scary. But when I just keep my eyes on him, Oh, yeah, the day seems dreadful, but when I keep my eyes on him. Oh, yeah, the grief seems so real, but when I keep my eyes on him, something miraculous happens. Victory becomes yours. Peace becomes yours. Hope becomes yours. And all you did was bless him.
With this in mind, I believe that God is bringing a song back to you. (laughs) Turn away from the circumstance. Turn away from the situation. Don't even give it the time of day. Just turn to the Father and say, Lord, today I bless you. Oh, and I thank you that you are more than enough. You are more than able. Mm. Some of you in here have been bound for a long time, and this simple truth will set you free for eternity. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Will you stand with me? I feel, very, I feel this very strong in my spirit this morning. Listen, the next time that the enemy peeks his head around the corner, don't even look at him. <laughs> You're actually outside of faith because you took your eyes off Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. I believe that this passage of scripture in Psalm 30, I'm going to read it one more time. I believe it's an invitation from the Lord. This is what he wants to do. He wants to turn your morning into dancing. A lot of times we think that dancing is some exuberant, you know, spinning around super fast, got to look good while I do it, high energy. It is that, and I believe in that, and I'm for that, and I celebrate that. But I think that a lot of times in this morning state, in this sad state, before we can get there, we've actually got to get here where we learn to dance with the Lord. And as you learn to dance with the Lord, here's what he does. If, If I'm the Lord and we learn to just dance with the Lord, he just pulls apart and then he spins you, and he teaches you to dance on your own. And then you come back together, and you, you're just dancing, and you're full of joy. And then he spins you out again, and you're just full of joy, just spinning. Oh, you with me? God wants to teach you to dance again. He wants to put a little pep in your step. He wants to give you a reason to be excited about waking up in the morning because his purpose is bigger than you could ever imagine. I believe the invitation today is that God wants to turn your morning into dancing. He wants to take the sackcloth off and he wants to clothe you with gladness. If that's you in this house, I just want you to come join me right now. may not be many, it may be a lot, but this sadness thing has had you overwhelmed. And I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. God's going to lift it off in a moment. He's going to take it off in a moment. Anybody else? He's going to take it off in a moment. What has bound you for a lifetime, he will free you in a moment. Isn't it amazing? He will free you in a moment. Anybody else? Anybody else? Sadness is about to be gone. Depression's about to be gone because of what Jesus has done. Anybody else? Don't miss this moment. I'm about to start to pray. Don't miss this moment. Anybody else? Sadness, depression, frustrating season. You can't seem to get joy. God wants to give it to you right now if you'll just respond. Can we just give God thanks right now? Just give Him thanks.